as David says, I'm preaching on faithfulness tonight. So I'm just going to start by reading this scripture that we've been going through. Anyway, life by the Spirit. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping with this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And I'm not going to read through them, but you can read that for yourself if you want later on. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So tonight I'm going to be talking about faithfulness and what it looks like for us as Christians. The best example of faithfulness that we have is God himself. But before I talk about that, I want to see what the dictionary definition of this is. So the dictionary says, Fidelity, loyalty, constancy, devotion, trueness, true-heartedness, dedication, commitment, allegiance, adherence, dependability, reliability, trustworthiness, staunchness and steadfastness. Its adjective, which I'm sure you'll be aware is a doing word, faithful means strict or thorough in the performance of duty, i.e. a faithful worker, true to one's word, promises and vows, steady in allegiance or affection, loyal and constant, i.e. faithful friends, reliable, trusted or believed, adhering or true to fact, a standard or an original, accurate. And I like this definition, it says, a faithful account, a faithful copy. And just as a side here, I found that that last definition there, the faithful copy, I thought that was really interesting. Um, because we see a copy of God the Father in Christ Jesus the Son, and we too, by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, are becoming faithful copies of the Son. It's odd, but somehow so right as well, and so God. So anyway, to move on to faithfulness. God's faithfulness. I think we'd all agree that these words are synonymous with God, what we've just read there in the dictionary definition. Our God is a dutiful, true to his word, promise-keeping God who is loyal, reliable and trusted. And the Bible gives us lots of expressions of God's promises to us. I'm just going to mention a few. There's promises there to be good to us. Psalm 105 says, For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the generations. He has promises to be with us. Deuteronomy 31.8 says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. So do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. There's promises to provide for us. Psalm 34.10 says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And then, of course, there is promises to answer our prayers. Jeremiah 29, 12 says, You will call on me and I will come and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. 
and in his promises of course of our salvation, the greatest promise that he can possibly give us. John 3.16, you all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that the whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. But it also shows us his faithfulness in working these out. So for example, God rescued the Israelites from the Egyptians. And, and in Exodus 6, it says, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. And I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. And God does. He rescues them in amazing ways, dramatic ways. And then he tolerates their faithlessness themselves, their own faithlessness, um, over and over again in the wilderness by constantly showing them his faithfulness back, um, even when they don't deserve it. And 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And one of God's attributes is faithfulness. He cannot not be himself. So even when we let him down, he doesn't let us down. And then God promised Solomon anything he asked for. And... In a dream, um, God says to Solomon, what would you ask me for? Ask me for anything, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon, being a young king, asks God for wisdom and discernment in dealing with the people. And God is so pleased with him that he gives them the greatest wisdom and discernment that we've ever seen in any king that's ever been known, ever will be known. And God actually says to him, I, I will give you something and nobody will see the same again. And there never has been or will be such a wise and discerning king as Solomon. And then he also gave him long life and the wealth and the fame on top of it because he didn't ask for it. God is good. And he promises us a saviour who will take away all of our sins and failures and bring us eternal life. Um, and we hear this in Isaiah. I won't read it all because it's quite long. But in Isaiah 53, 2 to 12... Isaiah tells us what Jesus is going to be like, what the Christ is going to be like, and what he's going to do for us. And at the end he says, For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. We see this promise, the crux of the entire Bible, fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. Faithful even until death, God keeps his promises to us. And Romans 8, 38-39, which David was talking about Romans last week, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any other powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Faithfulness being an aspect of this love that we've been talking about. So that's what true faithfulness looks like. God's faithfulness. But do we have a human example of this? Is there anyone who managed to pull off this kind of faithfulness? Well, I think there is, and I think there's one man here that jumps out, and probably jumps out to you too, um, and I think that man is David, um, the shepherd boy who became a king. So why and how, you may ask? Well, I think it was his faithfulness to God that made him a faithful man himself and be able to portray that same faithfulness back out to others. Um, so we all know about David's story. So God rejects King Saul, as we know, because um, it says he looked for a man who would be faithful, who would be a man after God's own heart. And Saul was not faithful to God. He preferred to do things his own way. But God preferred a man who would be faithfully following his ways and lead his people Israel faithfully in God's plans and purposes for them. And he chose David. 
And it says in the Bible that Jesse had eight sons, and all of them were impressive men, especially the older ones. They looked like kings, they acted like kings, they were as tall as kings, and they could fight, right? But the one that God chooses is the youngest, David. And he was only a teenager, probably about 16 or 17 years old at this time. God made it clear to Samuel that he was looking for a man with the right kind of heart, as opposed to talent, ability, or strength. And that's because faithfulness is an attitude of the heart, not a skill or an ability. And we see David's faithfulness to God acted out over and over again throughout his life. The most memorable of these would be, of course, his defeat of Goliath. So contrary to what some people imagine, David actually went into that battle expecting to win because he trusted God and he believed that God would help him. He knew that God was faithful. But he also felt outraged at the way the heathen, Goliath, had been defying God and insulting his chosen people, Israel. David's heart was so intensely faithful to God that he could not bear to hear such things. And he wanted to vindicate God and uphold God's honour. He was therefore willing to face Goliath and stop him. Faithfulness will inevitably lead us into tough situations. Where we have to put our reputation, our finances, our status or even our own lives at risk. And the courage that we show at such times is actually a key indicator of our faithfulness. We, if we are truly faithful to God, we will step out and we will do the impossible, knowing that God will also be faithful to us and stand through, with, beside us throughout the whole thing, coming through for us when we need him most. And as David faithfully stepped out in front of Goliath for God's honour, 1 Samuel 17, 45-49, it shows us the two ways that faithfulness is in action here. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear, javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, who you have defied, and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. And for some strange reason, my printer has missed out a bit here, so I'll jump a bit ahead. <laughs> All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves um, but it is by the God, God's own hand. And as the Philistine moved closer to attack David, David ran quickly into the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and he strikes Goliath in the forehead. And the stone sinks into his forehead and he falls face down on the ground. And as we know, David then takes Goliath's own sword and cuts off his head. So he fulfills in front of the Philistines and the Israelites the faithfulness of God. It's an awesome story. And David faithfully stood there, knowing that God would be faithful back to him. I just love it. I love David. He's one of my favourites. <laughs> but that wasn't... God, David doesn't just show us God's faithfulness um, or faithfulness to God, but he also shows faithfulness to others as well. So it says that once David became famous... Um, following this spectacular victory that he has over Goliath, King Saul starts to envy him and he gets suspicious and paranoid of David and he tries to kill him in many different ways. Um, he even sends men to hunt David down and he's actually on the run for many years, hiding in the wilderness to get away from Saul's men. But even though that goes on, David never does anything to undermine King Saul. He recognised that Saul was still the legitimate king of Israel and that even though Samuel had anointed David, his own time as king had not yet begun. 
And 1 Samuel 24, 1-7 shows us this faithfulness in action. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul takes 3,000 able young men from Israel and sets out to look for David. Now, why does he need 3,000 men to kill David? This shows you how paranoid the man was. Bless him. But yeah, and this is serious. Saul is really on a rampage for David. Um, and they go into the crags um, where the wild goats hide to try and find David. And they go to the sheep pens and there's a cave there. And in this cave, Saul goes in to do the toilet. Um, and in this cave is David and his men hiding. And the men say to David, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give you your enemy into your hands. And um, it says here, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. And David creeps up unnoticed and he cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David was so conscience stricken for having done that, that he should dare to cut the robe of the king. That he actually says to his men, the Lord forbid it that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is anointed of God. And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went on his way. Now David here has the perfect chance to kill Saul and take the throne for himself. And even though his men urged him to do it, saying it was obviously a God-given opportunity, David actually refuses to take it. He stays faithful to King Saul and he chooses instead to wait many years until God made him king rather than grab power for himself. Now I'm not sure how many years it is that David waits here, but I think it's something like, is it 40 or something? It's a long time. Aye, it's a long time. It's, it's like a whole working lifetime for us, really, is what he waits. Um, but that shows us David's faithfulness. So even in David's biggest failure, uh, this is the next thing. So we, we all go, oh yeah, but David, but he made this massive mistake with Bathsheba and, um, and Uriah the Hittite, his, uh, her husband. But even in that failure, um, David, in that, he tries to, to cover up by having Uriah the Hittite bumped off in the front lines and then marries Bathsheba and then claims the child's as inside wedlock. But it's, 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 we know the story. Um, but the thing is that God, even in this, says that David is faithful. In 1 Kings 15, 5, God actually says of David, for David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep the Lord's commands all the days of his life. That's faithfulness. Though it does say, it does end in this verse by saying, except in the case of Uriah the Hittite, which we've just heard about. So why did God still see David as faithful, even when he hadn't been faithful in this matter? Because to most of us, faithfulness is the obvious. It's faithfulness with inside a marriage. That's the one that everybody always thinks about, or faithfulness with inside a relationship of some sort. And David is not faithful here. Um, and Bathsheba is not faithful here. Um, but God still sees David as being faithful. And why is this? Well, it's because of repentance. Samuel is sent by God to call David out on this sin. And David could have had him thrown into prison or killed on the spot, but he doesn't. Samuel's words actually convict David of his sin. And they bring true repentance to his heart. And David throws himself on the mercy of God. And he acknowledges this sin. 
um, before God in the temple. And God is faithful again. And he forgives and he forgets David's sin again. And he sees him, as Acts 12, 22 tells us, it describes him as a man after my own heart who will do my will. God still sees him like that because he was willing to repent. And that is faithfulness. So this one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness, how can we have this for ourselves? Well, when I was preparing this talk to you tonight, I dug in with the Lord for a wee bit and I asked him, I said, Lord, what do you want to say to the people in the Barney on Sunday night? And what is your heart for them? And you know, I was going to stand here tonight, I was going to share some of my own testimony and things of how God has been faithful in my life, and he has. I mean, my, my whole... God has been so faithful to me in the last five years, I can't tell you. I could, I could sit here, I could spend all night talking about how faithful God's been to me. But um, the fact that Richard's sitting here tonight is the greatest thing that God has done in his faithfulness to me in the last five years. And he's done many others. But there is, there is no way at one point in my life I ever thought I would be able to stand here and speak to you. Far less be able to sit next to my Christian husband. Um, because there was a time in my life where I thought God wasn't faithful, but God was faithful. He was even faithful in those times as well. He's faithful in the good and in the bad, as we see with David's, um, with David's indiscretion with Bathsheba. Um, that God can take everything in our lives and he can turn them for our good and he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. And though I was going to go into that, God gave me something for you and I really want to share it with you because I believe this is a prophetic word for us. Um, and I want you just to think about this as I say it. And I'm going to say this as if it's God saying it to you. But this is what he told me. He said, it's as they walk with my spirit that this love downloads to them. They cannot produce this love on their own. I am the vine and they are the branches. When they remain in me, they produce good fruit. If they are struggling, tell them to reconnect with me and I will give them all the sustenance they need to produce fruit in keeping with my spirit. Love, which is joy, peace, patience, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, etc., etc. And this got me thinking a bit more about this love that we've been talking about, this fruit of the Spirit love, which includes these things. This is agape love. It doesn't matter how much we love in our own strength, be kind or good to others in our own strength, or be faithful in our own strength. We cannot ever ever produce this kind of love on our own. This is God's supernatural, downloaded from heaven gift of love. And it flows through us to others through the connectedness of our relationship with Father, Jesus and Holy Spirit. And if you are struggling with any one of these attributes of this fruit of the Spirit, our Father God, our Father God, he's saying, come and sit with me. Come and be still with me. Come and dig in with me. And reconnect to me. And cultivate that connectedness with my spirit. And you'll see this supernatural agape love start to download into your life and flow out to others as you draw closer to me.
And this brings me back to that funny little definition that I mentioned at the beginning. A faithful copy. It's that indwelling power of the Holy Spirit that we need if we're going to express a faithful copy of the agape love faithfulness of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit to others and to God. And it remains, or it, sorry, it comes from remaining connected to Father, Son and Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to play a little, I'm going to play, play, play a song. Um, and while we're listening to that song, there's a couple of questions I want you to think about to help you reflect on God's faithfulness. So please take advantage of the fact that there's people here that want to stand next to you and be faithful with you in prayer for the thing that you need. So the two questions are, what promise has God given you that stands out to you the most? And the second one is, how has God shown faithfulness to you? And actually, I'm going to add another one on to that. I'm going to say, and how, how not only has, how has God shown faithfulness to you, how can he show faithfulness to you again? Because if there's a promise that you're standing on, you'll be faithful in it. So I'm just going to pray and then you can just play that. Father God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. I mean, we thank you and we praise you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you were faithful even until death on a cross for us, Lord. We thank you that all your promises are yes and amen, Lord. And we thank you that you can move in our lives, Lord, in amazing and supernatural ways to fulfill those promises, Lord, and to show your faithfulness to us and to others, Lord, because this isn't just about us. This is about our lives shouting out to others that don't know you yet, Lord, so that they can also enjoy your faithfulness. And Father, I just thank you for everybody that's in this room tonight, Lord Jesus. I thank you for the kids and those that are out the back as well, Lord. And I just ask that you would download your agape love, Lord, and fill us with the fruit of the Spirit, Lord Jesus, that we can pour it out to everybody else that we meet, Lord, that they will see in us the shining light of your faithfulness in our lives, Lord, and they will want the same thing. And Lord, I just bring everything that we're waiting on, every, every promise that we're standing on, Lord, that you've given us, we just bring them before your throne of grace right now, Lord. And we just ask you to be faithful in them, Lord. We claim those promises, Lord, right now in Jesus' name because they are rightfully ours. And Lord, as we bring to you the promises, and as we think about your faithfulness, Lord, I just pray that you'd speak to each and every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.